Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Dear Media IRL is back, and we're showing up bigger, better, and louder than ever. Join us on May 4th in Austin, Texas, for the ultimate live podcasting experience. Watch and learn from your favorite Dear Media hosts as they bring their insightful discussions from your headphones to the stage. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and watch audio get a makeover. Tickets are on sale now at dearmedia.com slash IRL. See you on May 4th in Austin. Austin, Texas. Thank you for listening to Balanced Black Girl Podcast. My name is Les. I am your host. And this show is about exploring all of the different things that we're balancing in our lives, really with a focus on self-care, wellness, being good to ourselves and being good to one another. So all month long, we have been talking about friendships on the podcast and exploring the different facets of friendship. We had Justine and Natasha from Two Black Girls, One Rose come on and talk about friendship and entrepreneurship. We had the friendship expert, Danielle Biard-Jackson, come on and tell us about how to make new friends, how to strengthen our bonds. And then I invited two of my friends onto the podcast, inviting you into my group chat. And I have to say... I actually had an entirely different episode planned for today. I planned on this initially being a solo episode where I shared some of my reflections and lessons learned in friendships as I kind of navigated my 20s and my 30s. And then I thought, okay, maybe I'll do a little Q&A segment at the end of the episode where, you know, I'll answer maybe like two questions. I put up the question form on my Instagram thinking that I would maybe get a handful of questions and got almost 50 responses in 24 hours. And so I was like, okay, the girls want to talk more about friendships. <laughs> they want more advice. They have a lot of questions about strengthening their friendships and just situational things. So I was like, let me scrap my little reflection. Maybe we'll come back to that at another time. But we're going to do Q&A friend edition this month. Now, I do also want to say I am not the friendship expert. I still am learning a lot about friendship when it comes to being a good friend and navigating friendships. But I do think sometimes it just helps to have an outside perspective with things that you're going through with your friends from somebody who is subjective and maybe not as emotionally invested in what's happening. So that is more of what this is. Not necessarily expertise on how to perfectly navigate a situation, but just a neutral third party saying, maybe here's something to consider. So I just want to give that caveat 
as we get through these questions. I will also say a lot of the questions that we got were related to themes that we have covered on the podcast earlier this month. So in the episode with Justine and Natasha, we talk about ways to connect with our friends that feel a little bit more approachable and accessible than feeling like we need to go out every weekend. Or in the episode with Danielle, we talk a lot about making new friends and really connecting with our friends as things change throughout our lives. And that was a lot of the themes of the questions that I got. So if you have not yet listened to those episodes and those are some things that you're struggling with, I definitely recommend going back, listening to those episodes because I think they're going to be really helpful. For the questions that we selected this time around, it was for things that were a little bit more nuanced or maybe elements of friendship that we haven't yet covered in the series. But I do appreciate how many people wrote in and asked really heartfelt questions. I wish that we could answer all of them, but we picked a few that just kind of spanned various different areas of friendship. Now, the first question that we got repeatedly was, how can I make new friends when I'm in a new city? And I think that that is very specific and a little bit of a different situation than if you're staying in the same place and you're looking to make new friends. And that's something that's also really close to my heart because it's something that I'm exploring right now. I'm still new to New York, still in the process of building community. And it was also something that when I was new to LA, I really struggled with and was ultimately why, you know, I choose to leave LA for a little while. So some things that have been really, really helping me when it comes to making new friends have been one, events, 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 events. Now I will say my experiences with relocation have been in big cities like New York, like LA, where there are a lot of different events and things to do. And I understand that if you're in other parts of the world or maybe a smaller city or a smaller town, there may not be as wide of a range of things to do. But I think wherever you are, you can find something going on where you can connect with other people who share a common interest. I'll also say I'm very introverted. I am not the most social person, nor do I have the best social skills. I've actually experienced pretty severe social anxiety for most of my life. And I had to learn how to cope with that when going to different events. So if that is you, trust me, I get it. I'm right there with you. It is very, very possible to still connect with people through events when you have that happen. What I like to do is if I'm going to an event, it is usually my goal to connect with just one or two other people there. I don't go anywhere expecting to work a room because that is just not the way my brain (laughs) My introversion and my energy levels are set up. If you are more of an extrovert and you can work a room, I love that for you. Keep doing what you're doing. Teach us your ways. I will usually like to just find maybe one or two people who I have some sort of common interest with, which is probably going to be a lot of people there if they're going to the same types of events as you who I want to connect with further. So whether I have just a really great conversation with somebody there, I will try to exchange contact information with them and I will follow up with them to connect with them outside of the event. And the follow-up and the connection is really important because how many times have we met people out somewhere and we exchange Instagrams and then never talk to them again? And then two years later, this random girl who you met in the bathroom at the club pops up and you're like, who is this person? (laughs) Why do I follow them? So following up soon after you meet while your initial introduction is still fresh on both of your minds is really important if you want to maintain a connection with somebody. So if you meet someone at an event, maybe you exchange numbers, you exchange Instagrams, 
follow up with them within the next day or two. Let them know that it was nice to meet them. Ask them if they want to grab a coffee or invite them to maybe a similar event that you're planning to go to the next week so that you can start building that bond and getting to know them better. I actually had this happen recently. I went to a networking event in New York and I ended up chatting with another young woman there. We realized that we actually live in the same apartment building. Like how wild is that? Because there are actually millions of apartment buildings <laughs> in New York that people can live in. We live in the same apartment building, which is amazing. And we have similar schedules. So it's been really easy for us to continue hanging out after that because it's like we live in the same place. We can catch the subway together. We can go different places together. And I just had to have a conversation with that one person. And now I'm, you know, building and nurturing a new friendship. So again, just one person, one connection can be all you need. And even back when I was still living in Seattle, this was something that I did a lot. And making friends with one person at an event can change your entire life. I actually had that happen with me and my friend Sage, who I met at an event for my old job back in like 2018. And I had no idea that just chatting with her at this event would lead to her introducing me to so many other amazing women in the community that I wouldn't have known otherwise, becoming friends with all of those women and being really connected. So just meeting one person can introduce you to so many other people. So don't underestimate the importance of that one connection, but really the magic is in the follow-up. It's almost like dating where meeting someone at an event is kind of that initial kind of vibe check, but you have to then take it outside of that to continue building a connection. So events, really important for making friends in a new city. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of Black representation in media and the power of uplifting Black voices. It is crucial that we hear the stories of people who look like us, and that is why I started this podcast. And you can also hear amazing voices on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things, because that is what we do. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from unique Black perspectives. I actually loved the episode from Code Switch about the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott. Learning about the organizers who truly made the boycott happen was so moving and beyond anything that I've ever seen in a history textbook. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Get a taste of M, a hot new collection of craveable intimates from Maiden Form, a brand with a whole lot of history. They've been around since the very first bras, and now they're bringing you a new kind of classic, the chicest basics you've ever seen. 
I know my first bra was from Maiden Form. This brand has 100 years of innovation under their belt, and their new line, M, is the next juicy chapter. The pieces are so cute, modern, and affordable. I'm super picky about the bras and underwear that I wear. They have to be comfortable. They have to be flattering under different types of outfits and workout clothes. And I like them to be classic and practical. And M fits the bill. I have the M Seamless Lift Bralette, and it is the most comfortable, flattering bra I have ever worn. And I am particularly picky about my bras. It lays smooth under clothes, it gives a good lift, and it doesn't have any underwire poking you, which is the worst feeling. You also have to try their underwear. They have a yummy, buttery soft fabrics that feel way more expensive than they are, and great styles that won't break the bank. Seriously, the fabrics feel so soft and comfortable, you have to feel it to believe it. They offer so many cute colors and fits. M can honestly be worn as innerwear or outerwear and can be styled to your taste and you feel amazing while wearing them. Visit maidenform.com and use the code BBG20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's M-A-I-D-E-N-F-O-R-M.com and use the code BBG20 for 20% off your first order. The next thing I would say when it comes to making friends in a new city is you just have to say yes to things more than you may usually do. When you're new, as you're meeting people, people will want to invite you to things, extend invitations to you for different things. If you are somebody who is like, I just want to be invited, but I don't want to go, you're going to have to get over that if you want to make friends in a new city. If you're new and people know that you're new, people will be more likely to want to include you in things, but they're only going to do that so much before the invitations stop coming. So you may need to push yourself out of your comfort zone, say yes, like bend your schedule a little bit more at the beginning so that those invitations keep coming and so that you continue to be included because nobody wants to continue including somebody who acts like they don't want to be included. So I know that like the bed is comfortable. I know the sweatpants are comfortable have your downtime, but be willing to like push it a little bit more in what you say yes to is really important when you're establishing bonds in a new city. Your bed and your sweatpants are not going anywhere, but sometimes the opportunity to connect with people and and people in general are going somewhere. And so if you say no a little too much in the beginning, it's going to be really hard for you to establish those bonds. So sometimes you may need to just put your big girl pants on and and say yes to things that you may not normally say yes to, to keep those connections going. Now, the other thing I would say is the importance of hobbies and just getting out of the house. And this was something that was really hard for me when I lived in LA because I moved here right before the pandemic started. So it was like, I you know, couldn't really leave the house if I wanted to. None of us were able to, but doing that in a new city made it really hard to connect with people. And so now that that's not the case, it is really important for me to leave the house at some point every day, which especially if you work from home, you have to put a little bit more effort into, but whether that is literally walking around the block, going to the park, going to the gym, anything where I can just be outside of, you know, the four walls of my apartment where I can interact with other people, even if it's just like a smile and saying hello, 
is so important. One, because that just builds familiarity with the people around you, whether that's a coffee shop you like to go to, a workout class you like to go to, the people in your building, that repetition of seeing people and having those micro interactions is what can lead to deeper connections. And it just gets you out of the rut of staying in one place. Because when you're in a new city, you don't know people and then you don't leave the house on top of that. You're not really giving yourself a chance for people to find you and connect with you. One of the things that Danielle talked about in the episode that we did together a few weeks ago was the importance of repetition and familiarity. That's how those initial bonds form. And so when you're outside, when you're doing kind of some of the same things over and over or frequenting the same places over and over, again, being careful because we know as women, sometimes there can be safety considerations with that. So like don't necessarily post that you go to the same place over and over or make it really obvious for maybe people that you wouldn't want to connect with. But when you have that familiarity with people, that's where those initial bonds can form. And that is where you can start kind of getting your foot in the door to connection. So when it comes to making friends in a new city, those are some things that have helped me. I'm also able to see kind of the mistakes I made when I got to LA that really prevented me from being able to make some of those bonds and how I'm not repeating those same mistakes in my new city. So that's the first question that I got a few times. Now I'm going to get into more of the specific questions. So the first question that I got is, how do you navigate what is considered appropriate versus oversharing when it comes to discussing your partner and issues you may have with your friends? I go to my friends for advice often. While I trust their judgment and how well they know me, I sometimes wonder if I'm getting too many opinions on how to approach a situation with my partner because they may be biased against him or biased against men in general since so many of us are understandably jaded about dating these days. Should I only talk about my relationship in depth with a therapist and keep it more surface level with my friends to protect our privacy? Now, I think that this is actually a really great question. And it's all about understanding the boundaries that you have between your platonic relationships and your romantic relationship. And I think that there's a lot of nuance around it. I am somebody who, when I was younger, used to be pretty outspoken. If I either didn't like a friend's partner or if I felt suspicious of a friend's partner or if they would share something with me about something their partner did or issues that they were having, feeling like my friends could do better, I used to always be that person who would be very vocal about it. And I had to learn kind of the hard way that that is not necessarily helpful for a friendship because regardless of my feelings about someone's partner, if your friend is still in that relationship or if you're still in that relationship and you have no intention of leaving that relationship, things can get pretty awkward over time. Even if they have the best of intentions, even if your friends are just looking out for you, it's also not fair for you to go to your friends kind of complaining about a situation that you're not taking necessary steps to improve or leave. So I think you have to use your discernment there with what is best to share and what is not. I think when it comes to getting advice, you do also have to be really careful about who you're getting advice from because the advice that people give is often based on their lived experiences. That's based on their relationship experiences, their trauma, their upbringing, you know, their biases. 
And it doesn't necessarily make sense to have someone else's biases and traumas and perspectives calling the shots in your relationship because they're not in your relationship. You are. So that doesn't mean that you can never talk to your friends about things that are going on or like if something gets on your nerves with your partner and you just need to vent. It's normal to talk about those things. But ultimately, it's your relationship and you need to make sure that it is your mind, your heart, your desire that is calling the shots and how you navigate it, not other people who ultimately are not in your relationship. They're not the one with your partner and they're not the ones kind of navigating that area of your life. So I would be super discerning about who you get advice from. I do think it probably would be more valuable to seek out either the support of a therapist who is going to be more subjective to the whole situation Or if you have relationship mentors, maybe people in your life who have long-term relationships who you look up to and you really value their opinion, I think that getting input from those types of people who are going to be less biased is probably going to be more constructive and valuable than your friends who, as you said, are probably coming from a place of just frustration over dating and relationships in general. But I think it also just depends on like what the issues in your relationship are. Are they small things where maybe it's just like little annoyances, like maybe your partner, you know, I don't know, leaves dirty clothes around. That's something that's annoying, but not alarming. Or is it bigger conflict? Is your safety an issue? Is, you know, core values an issue? Because if that is the case, then you also need to think, okay, am I in a position where I need to make major changes here? And do I need my friend's support, not necessarily just venting and advice? So I think ultimately only you know the answer to that. Because again, same way your friends aren't in your relationship, I'm also not in your relationship and I don't have a lot of context. But I think it really depends on the nature of your relationship, what your intentions are for your relationship and where you want to go and where you want to be. But I wouldn't necessarily go to your friends for advice specifically if they don't have relationships that you would want to model yours after. I would maybe go to a therapist or some sort of relationship mentor who can be a little bit more constructive. And also, like I said, it's, it's not really fair to like complain to your friends about a relationship that you have no intention of changing. So if your partner is maybe doing some things that are not great, but you have no intention of leaving him, it is going to get old for your friends to hear that over and over. So really lean into your discernment of, you know, what it is you want out of your relationship, what it is you want out of your friendships and start kind of drawing those boundaries for yourself in terms of what is going to be healthiest for both your friendships and your relationship. So that's what I would say. No clear-cut answer, but I think it is a really great question, and it's good that you have the self-awareness to want to just kind of explore those boundaries further. At this point, we all know how important it is to stay hydrated and mind our business. It is good for your skin, body, and spirit, but if you're relying on plain water, you're probably not getting the hydration you need. A few years ago, I was introduced to Element and my hydration game changed. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research about optimal hydration. I love that Element is the only electrolyte drink mix on the market that offers a science-backed ratio of electrolytes without any sugar, artificial colors, or sketchy ingredients. 
Now, Element is really for anyone who is interested in restoring their health through hydration. Whether you're an athlete or you do fasting or you're following a whole foods diet where you may not be getting the electrolytes you need, not getting what you need can actually lead to fatigue, muscle cramps, headaches, brain fog, and we don't have time for that. Element is a part of my daily routine. So I love putting the fruity flavors like the citrus salt or the watermelon salt in my big tumbler of cold water each day. It is so refreshing. It tastes so good, especially during a workout. I'm telling you, if you're doing hot yoga and you have some element in your water bottle, you will see heaven. And their chocolate flavors are an amazing way to get some added health benefits while enjoying a treat. So I've been loving making hot chocolate from their chocolate chai flavor. It is so cozy and so delicious. Try Element today. Go to drinkelement.com slash balanced less to get a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through my URL. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash balanced less. If you have a menstrual cycle, you have probably experienced PMS and ugh, it is just the worst, the cravings, the mood swings, exhaustion. Well, PMS is so much easier to manage with Estro Control. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormone health, especially for those who suffer from PMS. The ingredients in estro control support the liver, which is actually where our hormones are processed. So when estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, that's when we can experience those PMS symptoms that we're trying to avoid. I've been taking estro control for a while now and have noticed so much relief leading up to my period. My cravings are down. My mood swings are not as strong. I actually feel like myself all throughout the month, which is a welcome change. Because if you track your menstrual cycle, you probably know that every week you feel like an entirely different person, but it doesn't have to be that way. Estro control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal. So it's perfect for those who haven't entered menopause yet. And is also great for those in perimenopause due to the hormonal fluctuations that can happen during that stage. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com using the code BALANCED at checkout. Again, that's happymammoth.com using the code BALANCED for 15% off. Next question is, I seem to keep losing friends to distance. I show up for them, send encouraging texts, participate in birthday celebrations, but rarely ever feel like it's reciprocated. It feels like something is wrong with me. Any advice to attract better friends that want to put in the effort? So I got kind of a few different flavors of this question where people just felt like they weren't really getting reciprocity from their friendships. And that is really hard. And I'm really sorry that you feel that way because it just is not, it's not fun to feel like you're pouring into something and the other people involved are not also pouring in. I want to invite you to take a step back 
from making assumptions. The thing that really stuck out to me in that question was you saying, I feel like there is something wrong with me. I want you to take a step back out of that mindset and not tell yourself that story. Because when I'm reading that question, I'm reading it not as there's something wrong with you. I'm seeing it more so as it kind of sounds like you're attracting either unavailable people in your friendships or people who are just not givers. It sounds like, you know, you're you're in community with people who are takers and it sounds like you are a giver. And in order for any sort of relationship, friendship to be balanced and healthy, it needs to have kind of a healthy flow of giving and receiving from everybody. And so it just sounds like there is a little bit of an imbalance there. So the first thing I would say is if you do have friends who you want to still maintain a friendship with, but you feel like you're not receiving the support and encouragement that you want is to communicate that and not necessarily just say, hey, you don't ever show up for me, but just, you know, if you have something happen where they aren't showing up for you in the way that you would like, you can voice that and say, hey, I just got this, you know, amazing new job. And I would have really appreciated if you could have celebrated that with me. And those are the things that make me feel appreciated as a friend. And I would like to see more of that from you. Like, I love doing that for you. And I would love to receive that. Because also sometimes, you know, people don't know, they can't necessarily read our minds. They don't always know you know, what we need or what we want. Some people can be a little bit more in their own heads and just need a little bit of kind of cues to be able to show up for us in the way we need. So the first thing I would say would be to find a way to communicate that to your friends so that they know how to better show up for you and get really specific on what it is that you need from them. Like, I need to see you. I need to feel, it really helps me when you send me encouraging texts or I would really this, my birthday is coming up this year and this is what I would really love to do with you. This is how I would love for you to show up for me so that people know how to show up for us. Sometimes we make these assumptions that, oh, people should know or because I did X, Y, Z, they should, but we show up for people in different ways. And so it helps to like really voice specifically what it is that you want from them. So that's what I would say in terms of navigating the current friendships that you have. In terms of attracting more aligned friends where things are gonna be more reciprocal, I would also say, look out for the traits that you want to have in a friend. So I'm not sure where you have connected with your other friends or what specific you know qualities or personality qualities that they have. But I think as you go to establish friendships with new people, look for the qualities that you want to have in a friend. Are they communicative? Are they giving? Are they supportive? Oftentimes when we're first meeting people, we can kind of see off the bat whether or not they have these qualities pretty quickly. So are you pursuing friendships with people who demonstrate those qualities where things are going to be a bit more reciprocal? And it could be an invitation to get honest with yourself of if you are pursuing friendships with people for other reasons or are you overextending yourself in friendships because you want to be seen as the person who does X, Y, Z for everybody, then you may want to do some reflection on why that is. Are you overextending? Are you kind of doing more because it's on your heart or are you doing more because you want kudos for it? I don't know. I have been here before, so I'm not saying that that is specifically what you're doing, but I think that it could be good to reflect on. 
And I think sometimes in friendships, we can see red flags from people pretty early on the same way we do in dating. You can kind of see early on if people are not reciprocal, if people are not communicative, if people are not checking on you in the beginning. If as you're forming a friendship with somebody, you're always the one reaching out, you're always the one making plans. You can see that pretty early on in a friendship and that often doesn't get better over time. So I would say start kind of looking for those friendship red flags that someone may not be reciprocal from the beginning and start identifying those friendship green flags of the qualities that you want a friend to have and really make sure that as you are establishing bonds with new people, that they have those qualities. So I think it's a lot of like knowing yourself, knowing what it is you specifically want from friends so that as you meet people who have those qualities, you can connect with them and then communicating your needs to the people in your life because people just can't read minds. And even if you do show up for your current friends in certain ways, they may not necessarily know how you want them to show up for you. So be really, really clear about that. And then after you communicate a need, if they still don't meet it after that, and then you can be like, okay, maybe this is no longer aligned. Maybe this friendship doesn't serve me in the same way and take it from there. But I would, I would voice your needs to your friends and give them a chance to show up for you before you, you know, make any drastic changes or moves. So I hope that helps. Okay. The next question, is there any coming back from a friendship breakup? I feel called to give an apology from an event that occurred months ago, but don't know how to proceed since I've blocked the individual on all platforms out of anger and have since reflected on how both parties were at fault at some point in the conflict. Ooh, friend, you sound like me because I'm quick to block somebody. I used to be. I, I've gotten better, but ooh, I, my block game was strong. <laughs> so I, I understand this on a spiritual level. So I absolutely think that it's possible to come back from a, a friendship breakup. I think it's possible to come back from anything, but I do think that it requires a lot of work to do so. It requires a lot of healing separately and together. It requires a lot of work to rebuild the trust that was broken between the people involved. And I think everybody has to be on board with that, which is sometimes where the trouble lies. So I don't have the full context of what happened with you and your friend or the conflict that led to, you know, this issue and not speaking and blocking. But I do think if you have gotten to a point where you've done some reflection and some healing and you are owning up to your part in what happened and it's on your heart to share that with your friend, I think that extending a sincere apology and just an invitation to talk about what happened can absolutely be appropriate. Now, with that, you can't control the other person's response. You can apologize, you can open the door for a conversation and they can choose whether or not, you know, they want to accept it, whether or not they want to talk about their role in the conflict and and they're ultimately the, you know, decision maker of how they want to receive that apology and that olive branch. So I would say if it is on your heart to extend it, do it because you genuinely feel that way, because you have done some really deep reflection and healing and because you feel it is the right thing to do, not because you necessarily feel like you should get a certain outcome from this other person, because they may still be on their healing journey for them 
the friendship may not be something that they want to go back to. And as tough of a pill as that is to swallow, it is sometimes the case. Like we're human beings. Everybody has their own stuff and processes things in their own way. So I think if it's on your heart to apologize and you want to extend that branch, absolutely do it without any expectation of how it's going to be received. And, you know, if you do decide that you want to rebuild the friendship and the other person is on board, I would also say take it slow and really give yourselves time to build back trust and reestablish your bond. Because sometimes with friendship breakups, what is hard is we want to immediately jump back into how things were before. But sometimes we need to like rebuild the relationship and we need to rebuild the friendship from the ground up. So you can't just go back to how things were before you fought. You have to almost establish a new friendship with a new foundation and a new level of understanding. And that can take a lot of time. That can be really hard. It can sometimes be kind of painful and it can just require a lot of humility and honesty on both sides to kind of own up to your different parts. So I think just prepare yourself for the potential of that happening. Go in with an open heart, go in with an open mind. And again, don't feel like there's anything you can do to control how your apology is received by the other person. Do it because you feel like it's the right thing to do and it's a genuine feeling on your heart. But I hope it all works out and that you and your friend are able to reach some sort of point of understanding because it is just really sad when that happens. So I hope you're able to to reconnect in some way. Some New Year's resolutions just don't come to fruition, like last year when I pretty much failed at all of my goals. However, I have an easy resolution we can all make, and it will make your life easier. It'll help you be kinder to our planet, and it will transform the way you do laundry in 2024, and that is switching to Earth Breeze. I learned about EarthBreeze last year when I was looking for laundry solutions while I was traveling long term, and they have eco sheets that changed the game. So unlike liquid powder or capsule detergent that comes in really big bulky packaging, EarthBreeze looks like a dryer sheet, but it's actually ultra concentrated laundry detergent. It's lightweight and it comes in a really thin cardboard envelope, so I actually could throw it in my suitcase while traveling. But even now that I'm no longer traveling, I live in a tiny apartment and it's so easy to store in my laundry area. I love that you just take out a strip, you throw it in the washing machine and it takes care of the rest. So there's no measuring, there's no mess, there's no giant plastic jug and it's easier on the planet. Now, I also have sensitive skin and I can't use a lot of detergents or heavy fragrance. And Earth Breeze has been really easy on my clothes and on my skin. I also love that you can get a subscription through them so you never run out of detergent again. And when you do subscribe, you get 40% off and free shipping. Right now, my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash balanced less. That's earthbreeze.com slash balanced less for 40% off your subscription. It has been a long, cold winter, and Brooklinen is here to help you break through your winter blues with a spring bedding reset. 
it is the perfect time to invest in comfy bedding to boost your mood and your sleep. I'm still getting settled in my new apartment and I actually wanted to switch up my bedding and I recently got Lux bedding from Brooklinen and I'm in love. My sheets are so cozy and soft on my skin and my sleep has been phenomenal. Now having quality bedding truly makes all the difference and I'm never going back. Brooklinen transforms your bedroom into the sleep sanctuary you've always wanted. Brooklinen has a sheet weave for every type of sleeper. Now I'm partial to the Lux Satin because it feels so luxurious, but their award-winning sheets are made with long staple cotton resulting in high quality rest that you can feel. Now, whether you're starting out in a new home like me or adding some flair to your current setup, Brooklinen's customizable bed and bath bundles make it easy to upgrade your home essentials in one place and you can save up to 25% when you bundle. It just makes so much sense. So embrace a spring refresh with Brooklinen's Home Essentials. Visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and use the code BALANCEDLESS, B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D-L-E-S, like my Instagram handle, for $20 off your order of $100 or more. Again, that's brooklinen.com, B-R-O-O-K-L-E-N-C-E-D-L-E-S, L-I-N-E-N dot com and using the promo code BALANCEDLESS for $20 off. Next question. Best way to deal with feeling behind in life compared to your friends. Every one of my close friends are married and either have babies or are planning to have babies. I'm struggling to feel connected to them anymore, but also feel forgotten sometimes. Any advice on how to overcome that? Let's take a deep breath together. (laughs) The way I also feel this question very much on a spiritual level because it is really tricky to feel like you are just in a different place in life than your friends are. I want you to reframe your thinking from behind to just different because there's no such thing as being ahead or behind. Somebody being in a relationship or having children does not mean that they are further ahead in life than you. It just means that they are currently on a different path than you are. But there is no such thing as being ahead. So I I just really want you to not feel like that is the case or feel like you need to catch up to something because it's not a race. These are just different life events that happen. And it's not something that you feel like, I want you to feel like you need to rush to do by any means, or like there's something wrong with you or like you're behind. There's no such thing as being behind. The other thing I would say is, you know, what is hard when your friends start entering relationships and you're not there yet, or they start having children and you're not there yet, is that feeling of disconnection, particularly when they have children, because for mothers, especially, when women have children, they take on an entirely new identity in ways that men just don't. Like, especially if they biologically have a child, if they carry a child and give birth, the way that changes you, it literally alters your brain chemistry. They 
literally, cognitively are not the same person that they were before. And it is such a major event. And so it is sometimes hard to maintain that connection because this person quite literally is not the same person who you established a friendship with. So I think if you are really wanting to maintain connection with those friends who are at that point in their life, it's really important to find that common ground that you do still have, whether that is like nostalgia over (laughs) experiences that you had in the past, whether that is common interest that you still have that the two of you can still participate in, finding that common ground in ways that you can still relate to one another kind of outside of this new identity that your friends have is going to be really, really important. I would also say it does kind of depend on, particularly for your friends who have kids, the ages of the kids. So it is especially hard on friendships right after people have babies because those first couple of years, it is like so all hands on deck. Like they are the life source, the food source. They are literally everything to that child in that moment. And it's really, really hard for them to be able to even have the capacity for things outside of that. I do have friends who have kids. And now that I have friends who have some kids who are a little bit older and they get to school age and the kids just have a little bit more autonomy and can do more things for themselves, you do almost see your friends kind of, I don't want to say come back, because it's not like they went anywhere, but they they do begin to have more capacity for other things and they're able to come back to themselves in a way that they just weren't able to do when the kids are really, really young. And so in some ways, you know, you are able to kind of reestablish that bonds or elements of their personality that were maybe gone when they were just exhausted and in baby survival mode do start to come back based off of kind of what I've seen in my friendships with people who have kids. And so sometimes you may just need to give it like a little bit of time while they're in that survival mode to be able to feel connected to them again when kind of those elements of who they are make their return. And I would also say that it is okay to seek new friendships with people who have lifestyles that are more similar to yours. I, trust me, understand how it is to be the single friend or to be the child-free friend. That was something that I struggled with the most in LA is I did have, you know, some really wonderful girlfriends here, but I was literally the only person in our friend group who either didn't have a significant other or did not have family members nearby. And so for me, it was like, I was kind of at the whim of them having time for me, which a lot of them often didn't because they just had other things going on versus for me, I didn't really have that. I only had them when they had time for me, which was not very often or work. And I had to put myself in a position to seek additional friendships, not replace, but seek additional friendships with people who had lifestyles just a bit more like mine so that it would be easier to connect and feel like I just had a bit more in common with them and like they had the bandwidth to be able to show up for me. That did kind of involve a relocation on my part, which is a little dramatic. Not everybody needs to do that. But if you are just feeling misunderstood or like there just isn't that alignment 
you can always connect with new people and there is nothing wrong with that. And sometimes it can be affirming to be like, okay, there are people who are like me, who are at where I'm at, who are thriving in ways that I'm thriving and I really want to connect with them over this. So I would say just to kind of sum all that up, because I know I went around to a lot of different places there, would be to find the ways that you can still connect with your friends even if they are in different places in their lives, whether that is an activity that you do together, whether that is kind of connecting over past things together, where you still feel like there is some sort of foundation tethering you to them, kind of giving them time as they navigate these new seasons in their lives and kind of give them a little bit of space to be able to kind of come back to the friendship when they have the capacity and then seeking connections with people who are in a more similar place in life as you are, where you just have a bit more common ground and and putting yourself in a position to attract those types of friendships is really important. But hang in there. Like I said, I get it. I'm in a very similar boat, but don't beat yourself up or feel like you are behind because there's no such thing as being behind. And I would also say as kind of a silver lining look at this time in your life as having the ultimate freedom. Like having a partner is beautiful. Having children is beautiful. And I bet that in some ways, your friends who do have those things probably wish that they had the freedom and the flexibility that you currently have in this moment. So use that freedom and use that flexibility to do things that you enjoy, to pour into yourself, to you know take up those hobbies, take that class, travel, do whatever it is that you wanna do with this time in your life that is truly all about you. And I also think that when you focus on that, that's also where you're able to call in those aligned friendships and relationships that are better able to meet you where you're at. So this next question is, this is a little bit long. It is, it's kind of a long question. There's some nuance to it. So I'm probably going to have a bit of a long answer with some nuance to it. So it says, my best friend, who is basically like a sister to me, we've been friends for 25 years, still has not met my daughter, who is my first baby, and she's seven months old. My friend has two girls of her own, ages one and three, and is what moms call nap-trapped when one wakes, another goes down. I was super understanding of this at first. When we first got home from the hospital, she shared with me, come over whenever, and then didn't reach out or check in after that. I gave her the benefit of a doubt and assumed she was busy with her two girls. When Christmas came around about five months later, I felt a little odd, still no reach out and no invite to her youngest's first birthday party. So I reached out saying it felt like more was there and it made me sad she hasn't met my daughter. Her response was very dismissive and she shared with me that I see on Instagram that you have time to go to a workout so you have time to come over. She also shared with me that with her husband's job and him traveling almost every other week, she just doesn't have time. I felt dismissed and like if she cared, she would make time. We never really came to an understanding. She stopped responding to me. I've tried reaching out twice to connect and get together and still no response. I'm feeling so sad. I was there for her when she had her babies bringing over gifts, food, checking in on how she was doing, etc. But I think the thing that hurts me most is the take it or leave it attitude telling me to come over, like, you don't want to see my daughter. Can you not wait to meet her? Or can't you not wait to meet her? 
it hurts to realize maybe our friendship just isn't as important to her. I know she's struggling with being a stay-at-home mom, but I just don't want to give in on this. Where do I go from here with it? Should I reach out or remain no contact? This is a question, another question where I want us all to just like take a deep breath. Let's all take a deep breath together. (sighs) Okay. So I also want to give the caveat that I am going to give my thoughts on this purely just as someone who is an outsider and doesn't have, you know, clearly that same like emotional connection here. As a child-free woman who does not have children, I feel like there's only so much I can really say having not truly lived this experience yet. But there were just some things in this story that jumped out to me a little bit. The first thing I want to say is for the person who, you know, submitted this, completely understand why your feelings would be hurt. You just had your first child, your best friend of 25 years, you know, you feel like she's not really showing up for you in the ways that you would like her to. And that absolutely is hurtful. And those feelings are so, so valid. And I want to start with that because I don't want what I'm going to say next to invalidate those feelings because I do absolutely think think that your feelings are valid. And I think that with that, when it comes to friendship, you're clearly postpartum. Like there is so much emotion wrapped up in it that I also want to take a step back and just look at this situation from a 360 point of view, because I also think that there's a lot of assumptions that you're making here. Like when you said, that your friend doesn't want to meet her, that your friendship just isn't as important to her. You don't know that. Those are things that you are assuming based on the situation. But I wouldn't put, you know, thoughts or feelings in other people's, you know, mouths or minds or intentions because you don't know that. You don't know that that is necessarily how the other person is feeling. So I would just like do your best to kind of release that part of the story of the assumptions around what is happening here. If we take a step back and look at what is happening with your friend, because I think anytime we're working through conflict, it's like we need to look at the perspectives of everybody involved. There were a few things in particular that really jumped out at me. The first I wanna mention was what you said, she said to you, Let me go back where she said, I see on Instagram that you have time to go to a workout. So you have time to come over. That response from her jumped out at me big time when I was reading through this question. And the way I saw that or kind of received that was not necessarily as a take it or leave it, but more of a almost like cry for help. Seeing as how your friend has two children, one in three, it sounds like the girls are not sleeping well. You mentioned that she's a stay-at-home mom, that her husband travels a lot. It sounds like she probably doesn't have necessarily the strongest support system or get much time for herself in this current season of her life. And so if she's seeing that you post things where it's like you are either getting support or you are, you know, able to to sneak away from for a workout, that response I see is just more of her feeling like, man, I wish I had time to sneak out for a workout. I wish that I could take a moment for myself the way I see that she's taking a moment for herself. 
I do not think that that makes that response okay. I think that she maybe has some misplaced frustration. I think her frustration just may be in her overwhelm and not having the support that she needs to be able to take a moment for herself. It's not necessarily on you that that's, you know, how she's feeling. But that is what I read that as, as, oh, I think this woman is probably drowning in being a stay-at-home mom to two small children, husband travels a lot, doesn't have a moment for herself, and she probably is just in a really tough place mentally, and that is causing a block from her being able to show up for you. So, and all of these things can be true at the same time. Your feelings are so valid around being hurt that your best friend or someone who has been like a sister to you has not made an effort to show up for you during this amazing time and to meet your daughter. And it sounds like she is probably mentally in a really, really tough place and is trying to get through the day and like mentally and physically just is in a dark place and can't do that. And I think both of those things can be absolutely true at the same time. Now, I do think that if you are reaching out to her, wanting to talk to her and she's not responding, that there probably isn't a ton that you can really do at this point if she's not willing to be open to have a conversation. I do think that if you really want to try to salvage this friendship, maybe reaching out kind of with a bit more of the perspective of understanding of those points that we just talked about and seeing, okay, where is that common ground that we have? We have children pretty close in age. You know, if you have a seven-month-old, she has a one-year-old that's pretty close in age and three is not much older. Are there things that the two of you can do together to kind of support one another because you're both still pretty new in this motherhood journey? Can you like meal prep together? Can you wash... (laughs) baby clothes together. I don't know, whatever it is that, you know, you all are both kind of doing, can you do that together as a way to kind of rebuild that connection with where you both are? And then you're both kind of helping one another as you're both still in this postpartum period. I'm sure that you have so much going on as opposed to seeing it as, well, she doesn't care about me. She doesn't show up for me. What are some ways that you can show up for one another? And I do think like how you mentioned, you know, that when she had her children, you showed up, you were bringing things and how hurtful it is to not receive that. I do also think it is a little bit different when you are a child-free friend able to like show up for your friend who just had their first child. It is just a little bit different than somebody who is like drowning in motherhood to be able to show up in the exact same way. So sometimes things are not always going to be exactly equal. So I would say probably the best thing you can do in this moment is to not hold on to the story that she does not care about you or that she does not care about your daughter or that she does not care about your friendship because I do not think that is true. I think that it sounds like your friend is really overwhelmed and is in a really tough place mentally and just cannot show up for you in that way. And I hope that she gets to a point where she is able to be receptive and that you are able to kind of reconnect and maybe you can reestablish the bond over finding ways to mutually support one another. But I think that if she's not in a place where she's able to or wants to respond, there's not, you can't, you can't 
make her. But I think you are only doing yourself a disservice, convincing yourself that she does not care about you because I don't think that that is the case. And I do really hope that you are able to find some way to kind of reestablish the foundation of your friendship now that you both are kind of entering motherhood around the same time. But I do think from the outside looking in, it just sounds like your friend is is drowning in in her current situation and that she has some misplaced frustration in not having more support to have more space for yourself, for herself. And again, not your fault. I, I love I love hearing that you're able to still get in, you know, a workout and take that time for yourself with with an infant. But it sounds like she has some misplaced frustration over not being able to do the same. And so I think do the best you can to not take that as a slight of you, to not take that as a slight of the 25 years that the two of you have been friends or to see it as, wow, we've been friends for this long and she doesn't care. I think that she does care. I think that she is just having a really hard time in this season of life that she is in. And I hope that she gets to a point where she is receptive to you and your friendship and that you're able to reconnect and then that your girls can all be friends and and that that can come back together. But I think the best thing you can do is to just continue holding space, not taking the situation personally, because again, I know I've said it a few times, but I really want to drive it home. I don't think it's that she doesn't care about you. I think that she's overwhelmed and has misplaced frustration. Again, I'm not a therapist. I can't diagnose anybody with anything but just as a person from the outside looking in, that's what it sounds like to me. And also gotta be honest, if I were a stay at home mom to two kids under three and my husband traveled all the time and I didn't have time to think, I would probably be not in the best place mentally either. And so I think just making sure that we really come at it from a place of empathy and looking at the thing from a full 360 view is going to be really, really important. So I hope that that is helpful. It's not an easy situation or a clean resolution, but I just really, really don't want you to take that personally or to think that your friend doesn't care about you. And I hope that she's able to get to a better place and that the two of you are able to reestablish your connection. And congratulations on your baby girl. And I do hope that outside of this situation that you're able to really enjoy this really beautiful and special time. Okay, friends, those are all of the questions that we had time for today. There were so many more that I wish I could have gotten to. This probably would have been a 12-hour episode (laughs) if I would have gone through even half of the submissions that we got, but maybe this is something we can revisit at another time, just chatting about you know, friendship questions and the things that you all are going through. I hope that it was helpful just to hear an outsider's perspective. I hope that the episodes this month have been helpful as you look to continue establishing and nurturing your friendships and your relationships. Every time we talk about friendship on the show, it is something that really resonates because I think it's something we all experience in one way or another, whether we're trying to make new friends or reconnect with old friends or just figure out ways to be better to one another. So I'm so, so glad that you all loved the episodes this month. If you enjoyed this series, please make sure that you are subscribed to Balanced Black Girl wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we're on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, 
Amazon, YouTube, wherever you get your content. Subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate your five-star rating and review. It is so, so helpful for helping us improve the show, keep the show going. Again, I really appreciate all of your really sincere, heartfelt questions. Again, maybe let's just take one more deep breath together. <sighs> one more deep breath <laughs> as we we all look to, to navigate those situations with our friends. But again, thank you so much for writing in. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.